epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome into another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann, is in New Jersey in the shadow of Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, where all the action was over the weekend. Not kidding, but just a little kidding. John Hart's behind the glass, as always, making it work. Listen, if you don't love the game of basketball, this past weekend should have converted you. I mean, not only do you have all these college tournaments going on as they're gearing up for March Madness, but the NBA is in complete crazy mode. Shoe, I saw some things over this weekend that I didn't know I would witness this late in this NBA season. The Warriors made mincemeat of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm sick and tired now. I'm, I'm done doubting the Warriors. I want that on the record. Every time I start getting nervous, they plunder another elite team. So I'm done with that. Oklahoma City's the latest victim. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid went bananas. Both of them turning in epic performances in a, in a great Eastern Conference showdown of elite teams. 52 career high, 52, 16, and 7 for Giannis. But Embiid with the daggers, 40, 15, and 6 for him in the win for the Sixers. And then Lou Williams topped the night by stroking a three-pointer to beat Brooklyn at the buzzer to close out the action. But the real low light slash highlight for me was earlier in the day at the Garden, LeBron James immortalized for all the wrong reasons, on Mario Hezonia's mixtape. Getting his shot blocked for the potential game winner with a great shove from DeAndre Jordan, by the way. I want to make sure people go back and look at it. But seriously, what I, I am of the belief, John Schumann, that LeBron James should be nowhere near his jersey. I don't care if he's playing the Apollo. He should not be in uniform right now for the Los Angeles Lakers. There's no way he should have been on the court to attempt that game-winning shot if you're doing the right things by a guy who's played eight straight times in the finals, a trillion minutes on his body. Why would you play him right now? You make the case for me, Shu, why he's still playing. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> that ain't enough. Hey, in a few, a few weeks, he's going to get his longest, the longest summer of the last 15 years or whatever it is. Why not start it early? Why not? Why? I mean, he, I mean, he play. He likes to play basketball. I like to play basketball. I would love to. You know, I, I'm. I'm not. You know, like don't, I, don't put yourself in. The take line. every opportunity you can to play. You know, he's got a chance to to move up the the rankings in uh, all time and assists and and points. Like keep playing. Like what's wrong with him playing basketball? I don't see any problem with it. There's only a few weeks left, and then after that, he's going to have a, a nice long summer. <laughs> um, he can choose to go play for the national team in, in August and September if he chooses to. 
You know what? That wait a minute. That's interesting. You think he would play? I don't, know. I don't know. I I'm I'll be fascinated to see who who signs up for that commitment. It's a six weeks basically equipment uh, a a commitment from the start of training camp to the end of the World Cup, mm-hmm. and then there's a short turnaround. There's like yeah, you know, a real short turnaround between the end of the World Cup in China on. Uh, in the middle of September and then the start of training camp. So it'll be interesting to see who's on that team. I would, you know, LeBron is on the, 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 he's on the roster. Yeah. The, the, the big something man roster. And, I didn't even think about you know, that. That's his first opportunity to play for Greg Popovich. It's possible. You know, I he think he might want to itch that scratch by then too. I mean, he might've sat so long for LeBron that he'll be thinking, man, I need to get, you know, I need to get back in competitive it's mode. Possible. Yeah. I didn't think about it. You know, I think the Olympics is still, especially being in Japan, maybe a, a more of a, an appeal uh, for next summer. But then that the Olympics are towards the early part of the summer where there's a short turnaround after the yeah. finals. So that's, you know, I think guys have to sort of plan it out and, and wonder if they can make commit to both years or if they prefer one over the other. And, yeah, with the Lakers being eliminated or – almost eliminated and and obviously oh, in the playoffs he's going to have plenty of time to rest before training camp even opens for the national team they so, are eliminated let's stop playing around all right so with yeah with the lakers missing the playoffs <laughs> he will have plenty of time to rest before national team training camp even opens all right let me take one more swipe at this before before i let it go one one more swipe if lebron james were to suffer a high ankle sprain tear up a knee Anything catastrophic in these last few weeks of the NBA regular season? There will be be an army of people singing the song that, oh, he shouldn't have been playing. Listen, listen, in a league where preservation of of the player body, physical player body, has been of the utmost in recent years, look at the way the schedule's changed. Look at all the analytics we have on rest and, you know, and why it's so important for these guys to preserve every ounce they can throughout the course of the season. Why would he be? Shoot, it does not make sense. Seriously, love of basketball or not, it doesn't make sense for a guy in his, his predicament, 34 years old, all the mileage, three more years left on that Lakers contract. There's no way he should be playing right now. I'm not saying he should play both games of a back-to-back. Lakers have two more of those, by the way. So that's ten. Ga- so they have twelve games left. Two back, two of the two back-to-back. So say ten more games he plays. I'm not saying he should play more than thirty minutes in any game. But you could say the same thing about oh, it. Can't say the same thing about anybody else. Twelve teams right now that are out of it, basically. Uh, seven in the West and five in the East. You could say the same thing about any of the players on that those teams. But there's one guy who's who's done what he's done the last eight years is what I'm I understand. Like, but and I believe me, I'm the one who keeps citing that stat that he's played, you know, ten thousand more minutes than any other player since he came into the league. But it's ten games, like and you know, it's not it's it's I don't see it as a as a big deal, especially you know, like Okay, people. There's no but there's if he happen. was hurt, if he was hurt, like if there was a lingering injury, then yeah, you 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 take more caution but if he's healthy then he plays like there's nobody the only i mean i've made the opposite argument about anthony davis but but that's because that dude said he didn't want to play for that team anymore like he said i'm out of here you know in the middle of a season that's a a totally different situation Um, he's so morally righteous on this whole thing it's just (laughs) pains me 
pains me. Uh, but yeah, what the Lakers have 12 games left, uh, opportunities to play spoiler, although they, it, it, when you look at their defense, they've obviously sort of uh, let go of the rope. But you know what? It's time. It's chance for him to play basketball. Who you know, like let him do it if he wants to do it. Like uh, if you're the team, you you leave it up to him. But you limit him uh, to a certain amount of minutes and to uh, just one game of a back to back. But you leave it up to him as far as whether he wants to, you know, suit up or not. That's all right. Mario Hazonia appreciates it. He's got uh, he's got stuff to show his great grandkids one day. <laughs> but how you embarrass LeBron James at the Garden. Good for him. Anyway, shoot, that was just my little mini rant. I was, I figured I'd poke the bear about LeBron playing. I know we've done that the last couple of weeks. Giannis and Embiid, shoot, how much would you pay? What would you give for a Sixers-Bucks playoff series? You know you want to see it. I've said it from the start. I'll be happy with any series we get between Philadelphia, Toronto, Boston, and Milwaukee. I think it's going to be fun. And Philadelphia-Milwaukee is would probably be a – conference finals because Sixers look good for the three seed right now but hey sign me up I'm ready like you know I'll be in Philadelphia for every home game they play I believe in the playoffs so you know I'll be happy to see uh the Bucks there I'll be happy to see this the Raptors there maybe in the conference semifinals so I'm ready for it that was a fun game I'm furious that Joel Embiid has missed has missed the time that he asked you because he would have had he not missed time he he had the potential to upset this entire MVP conversation could be MVP and defensive player of the year. And you know, if he's a, and still a possibility going forward, I'm, I'm going to put it to you this way. And, and this is a question somebody asked me late last night on text of all these guys, when they're, when they're at their healthy best this season is Embiid the best on both ends in the league. And I said, you know what? It's hard to argue, you know, that, that, that somebody's better than him on both ends at their healthy best. I mean, he's he's so big, so nimble, so skilled with so much working. Like, he's got all the tools working. He's knocking down threes. It's just a joke. <laughs> but, I mean, it, you could make a good argument. Best case scenario, everybody healthy. It might not be Giannis, Harden, whatever in, in that order. You know, because I don't think Harden stacks up high enough defensively to, to be in that conversation. It could be Embiid at the top and talking about two-way players. I mean, I, I would put Antetokounmpo right there with him. The mm-hmm. difference on defense is that Embiid can make more of an impact given his size and the position that he plays. Like mm-hmm. protecting the rim is is still remains the most important thing in the league defensively. And obviously he does that better than the other guys that we're talking about. Yeah. Offensively, I feel I still feel like because of all the talent that the Sixers have and the fact that Simmons can't shoot, that we don't see Embiid being utilized to his fullest capability on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, I still feel like there's too many catches beyond you know where he, he's catching the ball too often on the perimeter right. versus it playing in the post more more often or playing. You know, they don't play they they don't play pick and roll they at all yeah. really. So, so he, he's not much of a role. He doesn't have uh do much as a as a role man either so i still feel like you know they still have that that dribble handoff action within with reddick where you can see him as a role man sometimes but then often sometimes he's popping out so yes i think potentially like yeah if 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 Embiid is healthy and being utilized to his fullest capability i guess and i'm not saying that brett brown doesn't do a good job i'm saying that the comp he's not perfectly complimented i think in the sixers lineup 
then yeah, I think he could. He's the, probably the best and most impactful two two way player in the league. The Sixers yeah. have added Butler, added Harris this mm-hmm. year, obviously to improve the team around him. But he just remains the difference maker. Like when yeah. he was out, they just were not the same team. And then he comes back and they win four straight and and obviously get probably the biggest win of their their season uh in milwaukee on sunday they did they did a beautiful job too of balancing each other out yesterday like tobias harris did not have a great game but jimmy butler was really really good down the stretch i thought simmons despite being labeled a baby um (laughs) expletive baby by Giannis, who by the way Giannis's trash talking game has improved tenfold he's not he might be the most improved trash talker um in the nba this year the way they're they're learning how to play off each other's strengths and weaknesses on a given night you have to have Embiid on the floor for that. And that's why these last four games, to me, have been so important for Philadelphia. Because, shoot, I think they are not the deepest in terms of quality of depth, not the deepest team of those East powers, but they're the most top-heavy star-laden team of those East powers. And to me, that's what often carries you in the playoffs, is whether or not your stars show up and play big like they're supposed to. They've got the potential, to me, to be right in the middle of that mix because of the what we saw from them against the Bucks last night. Yeah, and, and the way Brett Brown plays his rotation, they always have two of those guys on the floor at all times. Like, there's always two starters on the floor. He does not go to a five-man bench unit. He doesn't even go to a four-man bench unit. There's mm-hmm. always two starters on the floor. Um, smart, by the way. So, that lineup, that five-man lineup, plays fewer minutes per game together than some other lineups. But I think they they try to maximize their starting lineup talent by always have two two of those guys on the floor. I'll say one other thing: the the Butler point that you made is good because I think he's an interesting one to watch with that group, just because he took a little bit of a back seat once Harris came aboard, mm-hmm. um, and Brett Brown. I was at the their game against the Kings on Friday and Brett Brown said both before the game and after how much he wants, um, you know, Butler to be aggressive and to play his game within that lineup. And Mm -hmm. so he's an interesting, you know, he's got a little bit, I guess he has the best sort of off the dribble skills of that group. And and that, I mean, other than Embiid has the best ability to get to the free throw line of that group also. And I think that's important. Hmm. Week 23 power rankings are out, Chew, as you well know. I think you did a, a nice job this week, too. I know I'm critical sometimes of the top five. I'm, I'm not criticizing this week. Warriors, Bucks, Rockets, Nuggets, Raptors are the top five. Very interesting. The Rockets, to me, are the team that's in that mix that I wasn't sure we'd see them climb like this. And, and right now, to me, they're in the thick of this whole mess. Um, we've talked about Philly. And they're the team of the week. Obviously, the big win over the Bucks. The team to watch, though, is the one that intrigues me this week, Shu. Did anybody see the Spurs getting on this horse and riding it? Eight-game win streak. Manhandled the Blazers on Saturday, and the Blazers got some tough injury news on C.J. McCollum. We'll get to that uh, shortly here. The Spurs are, are dealing with the Warriors tonight, the Heat on Wednesday. And then a little, little road trip, uh, you know, to Houston and Boston on Friday and Sunday. I I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. The rumors of the Spurs' demise were were greatly exaggerated. Shout out to Bones Berry doing his magic in in the building now. How does this happen? Is this just championship DNA dripping Uh, down as as always or what? So when they got back from the rodeo trip, they were in eighth place, 
and tied with the Kings in the loss column. So in danger of, you know, losing their playoff spot. They Definitely. were they Definitely. they were one and seven on that rodeo trip and their defense was horrendous. Since then they've won eight straight. And in that eight straight they've beat the Pistons, who've been playing really well. Mm-hmm. The Thunder, the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Blazers. That's you know, and so those five wins give them more wins uh over teams that are that currently have winning records than any other team in the league since right. the all-star break five, right. they're five and one since the break against teams that have uh, winning records with the only loss being their first game after the break, which was in Toronto. And so, you know, it's, it's, they're just really, really good at home and not very good on the road. So all those wins against those good teams were all at home. Their two road wins uh, on this winning eight game winning streak were in Atlanta and in Dallas the Hawks, as we know, are just hot and cold, and the Mavs are a team that has possibly let go of the rope a little bit. And and so it's interesting because they are – so like I said, they're bad on the road. They're 1-9 on the road against the other seven Western Conference playoff teams. Mm-hmm. And so their game in Houston – will be a little bit, you know, they only have two more road games against Western Conference playoff teams, and one of those is Houston on Friday. So I think that's maybe a little bit more intriguing to see than their game against the Warriors on Monday to see if the Spurs can actually <laughs> carry some of this momentum on, on the on the road um, because they are just, just a total home team. And this winning streak has actually given them a chance to finish top four in the West. They are two, yeah, two games in the loss column behind the fourth place Blazers with an easier schedule going forward than the Blazers. And like I said, I don't think home court advantage means more to any team than it does to the Spurs. And so, you know, <laughs> like I said, I, I've said it all year. They're a weird team. They've fallen off def- uh, overall. They've fallen off defensively this year, but they're just a much better defensive team at home than they are on the road, which is weird. It's still 94 by 50 feet. You still have the same same bodies, same personnel. It's just amazing how they can defend just so much better in San Antonio than they do on the road. Maybe it's the bats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what it is. I just think it's remarkable. In, in on a season where we've talked about all these different guys for – Coach of the year, and they said, "Yeah, the pops done another miraculous job." To me, I mean, they 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 were in a position at one point where you thought, not only are they going to you know miss out on the, they could, could they potentially miss out on the playoffs, but it would be an end of a run, you know, kind of a, of that playoff era and run for the Spurs. And now now they make me nervous because they could give somebody fits in a playoff series, depending on the matchups, where and, and you know depending on where they end up. But shout out, you know, shout out to Pop. For they don't waver from what they do, and you know, for them to to find themselves in this position, you know, with the amount of time left in the regular season, they get to do what the Spurs always do, which is dictate their own outcome, uh, which is, I guess, all you can ask for. Shoot, the Malcolm Brogdon injury, and, and I know we're skipping around here, but we got a lot to get to. Out six to eight weeks with a minor plantar fascia tear in his right foot, and this is a guy who was having a 50, 40, 90 season potentially here, you know, had a chance to finish up like that. How monstrous of a blow is this to the Bucks if they don't have him for the start of the playoffs? I think they can hold on to the one seed without him. Sure. I think they can handle whoever finish eight, finishes eighth without mm-hmm. him. But his timeline sort of puts, you know, puts the conference 
semifinals in doubt. And that's, you know, far to, uh, very far to look ahead regarding like a sort of an injury like this, but you know, they, they, they started Nikola Mirotic on against the Sixers on Sunday. And that obviously doesn't, you know, uh, you know, Brogdon's their best three point shooter or has been their best three point shooter, but you know, their three point shooting isn't necessarily compromised much when you put Mirotic in the lineup in his place. I just worry a little bit about their defense because mm-hmm. then they become, you know, a few degrees less mobile with Miritich in there. And it was their, I think it was their defense that sort of suffered on Sunday. You know, that was one of their worst defensive games of the season against the Sixers. I mean, they just couldn't, I mean, they, neither team was yeah. really doing a great job of stopping the other, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think it hurts on both ends really. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's not only his three point shooting, but he's just one of those guys, you know, they space the floor, and it's not just for Antetokounmpo. You know, Brogdon and Bledsoe are two guys that get to the basket. And I think I uh, it was a, maybe a month or two ago I cited a stat where they were near the top of the league in points scored in the restricted area for guards, um, mm-hmm. both of them. And so they're losing a ball handler who can attack uh, attack in off the dribble in space. Um, you know, George Hill doesn't have that speed and that uh, attacking ability that Brogdon does. So I think they're going to miss him in, on multiple fronts, really. So much of the playoffs, as you know, Shu, is about specific matchups and about how your key rotational players lock in for the course of a you know potential seven games with the guy at their spot on the other team. In this positionless era of basketball, if we are truly in that age, does it not limit a team or affect a team as much as it might have years ago when you when you've seen so many different permutations? of player rotations throughout the course of a season. I mean, even, even when teams are healthy, they're trying, you know, they're tinkering with rotations and trying different guys. Could you get by in this day and age without a significant player, maybe better than you could maybe five, 10 years ago, you think, or is that maybe stretching the envelope a little too much? Well, I mean, it's not like he's the guy that they, their system is built around. Right, mm-hmm. like their system offense yeah. is built around Antetokounmpo. Their defensive system is somewhat built around Brook Lopez being able to 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 protect the rim and their bigs being able to hang back and 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 protect the rim. Mm-hmm. And so he's not, you know, he's just one of the pieces that fills in. But you know, with every piece you lose, you lose some of your versatility. Right, like now they're just a little bit they have one fewer option to go to at any point in the game. And, uh, you know, now a little bit more on George Hill's shoulders and he has been sort of in and out of the the lineup for a while, I believe dealing with injuries. So he hasn't exactly established himself as a, as a, um, a reliable uh, rotation contributor for them just yet. It's just interesting. I'm I'm just wondering. I mean, I'm I'm probably going overboard. It's what's what happens when you have a basketball filled weekend like we have where you just get down in the weeds, but I started thinking about that. Just I mean, you can fill in the hole a little bit. Yeah. But like I said, like just every piece that you have gives you a little bit more versatility and and he's a talented piece. I mean, he's he he was having a fantastic season. You talked about his shooting. But like I said, he's also been really good off the dribble, attacking, attacking in space, and is a good defender for for his size and for for you know uh, being a, a smaller guard. Well, and sometimes certain guys to me are you know they're maybe not the the systems maybe not built around them, but they become linchpins into what you do. And I think we'll find out, I guess, just how important Brogdon has been 
or is for what the Bucks do. And a, and a lot of uh, a lot of these playoff teams you are finding out now is kind of this this skinning time where you you're peeling back the layers to figure out who and what is going to be viable for you, you know, in the immediate future, talking about that first round, because this, from where I'm sitting now, Shu, this looks like it could be one of the more intriguing first rounds that we've seen in some time as well, in terms of, I don't know if we have a lot of answers as to who, who has slam dunk matchups in in their series. Um, Look at what Detroit has done with Toronto. And then tell me you'd want to see that matchup if you're, you know, in the playoffs, if you're the Raptors, that doesn't, you got you to gotta fire it up Dwayne Casey, you know, and his team seems to have your number. There's just a lot of variables that could be at play come playoff time. So it makes the understanding of what each guy's role is on a team, to me, heightened as we wait to figure out who fits where in the postseason. Yeah, the problem with the Pistons' three wins over the Raptors is that they've decreased the in the likelihood that they'll face the Raptors in the first round because they're looking <laughs> – they're looking really good for the sixth seed with Brooklyn 0 and 3 on their seven game trip already and then just still having the the toughest remaining this toughest schedule going forward. Yeah, Brooklyn right. Brooklyn plays has only two games this week. They're at Sacramento and then at the Lakers. They need both of them because mm-hmm. after that they play six straight against like the top 9 teams in the league and they haven't done so well against good teams um of late. So their guards have all just been inconsistent. Karis LeBert mm-hmm. is sort of getting to the basket, but can't finish. Right. Angela Russell sort of broke out of a shooting slump uh, against the Clippers on Sunday, but does not get to the free, has not been getting to the free throw line at all. And then Dinwiddie had been shooting relatively well off the bench, but then had a clunker against the Clippers. So they're all, they're relatively healthy. Um, the Nets, but, Nobody has been consistent playing consistently well for them offensively. And like I said, that schedule is brutal. Yeah, it's just interesting. I'm, I'm going to be paying keen attention to, you know, I, I look at it every morning, who's, who's in what slot. And it doesn't change as dramatically from night to night as some people might think. But the trends of who's, who might end up where in the bottom halves keeps me curious every day in terms of what I think might be the most intriguing matchups. It also keeps me on my toes about what, what kind of work we have to do with playoff previews coming up and, and kind of figuring out how you go about that. But I'm very intrigued, you about – and this is my last question for you today in terms of what do you think makes for the best and most compelling series as we go into that first round? Is it making sure that the, those top two teams, whoever they might be on each side, are – separated and set up for a potential matchup down the road or is it the the middle and I'm always intrigued by the middle is or is it the middle the the three six and the four five matchups that that pique your interest more because those are going to be the series on paper at least that would seem to be tighter and closer and offer more compelling first round drama uh that's a good question I don't think I I don't try to get too caught up in the big picture in the point that like oh the four or five series in the West doesn't mean anything because whoever wins, it's just going to lose to the Warriors. I think there's definitely stuff to watch with all those teams just because, you know, like Portland at four, what would happen to that team going forward if they lost another first round series, right? And we talked about that with... Um, yes, Joe Freeman, no Joe doubt. Joe Freeman last week. Denver, they've obviously taken a huge step forward, but how important would a, a playoff series win for, be for them? Houston with... 
how much do they have invested in this roster? You know, like, I think there's, there's just uh, big questions with every team when you really like focus in on, on every team that we have that, that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see where the chips fall and, and tell you what the most intriguing matchup is. But I, I, I mean, I'm excited about anything that happens in the Western conference, first of right. all. Right. And then, and then even in the East, I think like there's, you know, seeing the Pacers resilience and see what, see what they can do in the postseason is is still interesting to me. And then things will really get fun once we get to the Eastern conference semifinals. And, and like, it's not only which of those teams can reach the finals for the first time in X amount of years, right? but also how that affects free agency. Cause you just look at those Eastern conference teams, top Eastern conference teams, and they all have significant free agents, right? This summer. Yeah. Um, from Toronto with Kawhi Leonard, Milwaukee with with Middleton and Brogdon, from the Sixers with Butler and Harris, and then the Celtics with Kyrie Irving. So that's I think that's what makes it just doubly interesting in the East is 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 how it will affect what those teams want to do in the summer and what those players will want to do in the summer. Yeah, I know one thing. There's there's two things in the East. I agree with you wholeheartedly. The interest is held in. In the West, my my big thing is I need to see the two seven be Utah and Denver because I have question marks about both those teams that I think would be best answered if they're matched up against each other. So that would just for my own selfish purposes, I'd love to see that. And in the four or five, if it's Portland and Oklahoma City, and I don't care what the order is. That gives me an opportunity to see a little bit more of Russ and Dame and to see them going at it and to see how Russ and whether or not he's evolved to the point where he's not going to let anything, any of the emotional stuff that goes along with it, get in the way of his playoff performance now. So I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm already, and it's a bad thing to do to start having images of the playoffs dancing around in your head this far out, but I got all kinds of things I want to see come to fruition in the playoffs that may or may not happen based on what these teams do. But just for my own selfish interests, I got a lot of different things I want to see play out um, come playoff time. So it'll be interesting. Shoot, I know I fuss at you a lot. I get under your skin. I send you texts late at night yelling at you about stuff or complaining about something. But I, I'm, and I mean this sincerely, you are my favorite dude to argue and discuss <laughs> basketball with. It's not just for show. This is not just a hang time podcast in our shtick. But I mean, literally when I have questions about certain things, you're the first. I always think like I gotta ask you about this the next time we, you know, we're on a podcast, or if I can hold it until then. Like other times I can't. You as your, you know, DMs or texts would show. But there are certain things I really do. I need to get your take on it because it it's usually a sobering opinion that <laughs> that pulls me down off of the ledge. I'm ready to jump off of at all times, which I don't do it on social media on Twitter like some of you. And believe me, I read all of the tweets that you and the several other of our friends and colleagues are tossing out all the time. And I, I honestly don't know how y'all do it. To be able to watch and then jibber-jabber like that on Twitter all day long is amazing to me. I don't know how y'all do it. Appreciate, very much appreciate it. But, um, but I do. I, I appreciate you taking the time and indulging my foolishness on a regular basis here on the Hangtime Podcast. All right, let's just, just uh, let's, throw that out there. All right, we got three weeks to go. Let's just vow we're not going to talk about the Lakers again, whether or not LeBron <laughs> plays, whether whether he play continues to play or whether he uh, shuts it down. Buying a catastrophe, I'm done. This is the last time I'm going to 
I'm going to beat the LeBron drum. I'm done. I'm, I'm I'm proud that we haven't brought up his former teammate, the one that plays in Boston. Nope. We haven't brought that guy up in I'm a while. I'm done. I told you. I, I went on my rant. I'm, I'm done with it. All right. Um, I'm, I will, I'm not vowing, though, to stop talking L.A. basketball <laughs> because I do want to talk about the Clippers in, in depth at some point. Could be soon. Could be later this week. So um, I'm just putting you on alert. I'm done talking Lakers. I'm, I'm moving on to the Clippers, and I want that on the record. Power rankings are out on NBA.com. Week 23 power rankings. Make sure you check them out on NBA.com slash power dash rankings. Check it out. John Schumann's hard work on display, as always, every Monday throughout the course of the season. We'll be back Thursday. Deep dive on somebody. I'm not, like I said, I'm not ready to spill the beans, but I'm, could be, could be the Clippers. Um, Cause I'm very intrigued. Lou Williams, you know, the, the greatest bench scorer in the history of the basketball universe is up to his tricks. And I, I would be willing to entertain an argument, shoe that he belongs on a long list, you know, a top 15 MVP candidates. I know he's coming off the bench, but I could, I would be willing to sit and listen to that argument. If somebody, well, you, you could consider, you could consider him for third team, all NBA. Yes. Yes, you could. Guard. I mean, I, um, it makes sense. I know. He's been huge. Bradley Beal is openly campaigning for that uh, spot. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him. But um, be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes all season long. Make sure you leave a review. And we'll see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.